Welcome back this week. This is a special episode, very near and dear to my heart. I'm talking to Alex, my younger brother, about his journey of going from almost 400 pounds and losing 125 to date and his ultimate goal of hitting 185. We talk about weight loss, but we talk about so much more how this experience has been so transformative and rippled into all aspects of his life, his health, his well-being, physical, emotional, and otherwise. I'm really excited about this episode, so let's dig in. This episode is sponsored by Delbar. Delbar by Del Nutrition is a high-protein, low-calorie bar created with clean nutrients to support you in healthy weight, health, and well-being. My patients love these bars, and I would love to share them with you. So if you go to delnutrition.com and sign up for our newsletter there, I will send you our top-selling flavors for free now through the end of the month. I hope it will serve you and it will be of benefit. Hi there, Health Bite community. Welcome back to Health Bite. This is the podcast created to provide you with small, actionable bites towards your physical, mental, and emotional well being. I'm your host, Dr. Adrian. I am so happy to be back with you here this week. And I am super excited. I was told by one of my listeners that I get super excited often, but I am super excited today because I am here with my younger brother, Alex. Alex is going to tell us about his weight loss journey that I have asked him to share with us, but also asked him to share with the world. He has created the Instagram handle Fat Kid Beautiful. I personally don't love the F word, but maybe we'll get into that together a little bit. And as a result is doing precisely what I thought you would, which is inspiring people. So welcome, Al. What's up? Not much. Hi, everyone. Again, I guess I jumped the gun on the first high. I am super excited to be here. No one's ever told me I'm super excited before. So we'll even out there. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. it's, it's really cool. Thanks. And hi, everyone out there listening. Yeah. Well, I think you have a lot to share because real world uh, stories are real world. And that's what we need more of these days. We need more real, more authenticity, because that's what speaks to people. And so I want to start with this because, of course, um, everybody knows what I do. I'm a weight loss doc. Hopefully I'm more than that. But yeah, that's what I do in my my day job. And you know, as a as a physician and as a older sister who cares about you, I have tried to encourage you to, you know, take ownership of your weight and to make changes not only for your weight but but also for your well-being and probably primarily for your well-being, which I know you have a lot to say about. But let's start with, you know, what what was the switch for you? What was the what yeah. was the motivator? What was your why? You know, we've, we've talked about this, and I kind of say jokingly um, that it, it starts with the girl, and I think a lot of guys can relate to that. And 
um, I kind of narrate the story between two real two relationships that I had, and and I guess the switch was to, to get there. Is I was in a six year relationship with somebody that you know you had all the plans um, with you know marriage, kids, all that. We were living with each other, and in the last maybe year and a half of that relationship, she went through a major depression. You know, it it, it really changed the dynamic for a relationship. It really changed her and that that. Uh, mental health issue went unchecked for a while and it became a, um, a burgeoning substance abuse problem. And one day, uh, August of 19, she up and left. And later in a phone call told me that she left because she was trying me to trying to save me from her. Within about a week of that, right before that happened, uh, you know, we're right at the height of COVID. And I also lost a job, got laid off. My, my company laid off 75% of their staff. And so I'm sitting here, I'm about six weeks before my 40th birthday. Everything that I thought was my future is now upended, is gone, really. And I sat there and I had this voice in my head that happens, you know, usually when something goes goes like that, when like things don't go as planned. And it's like, all right, great, what are you going to do about it? And I'll say this, I, I had this thought, I had this thought that watching somebody I care about completely unravel really hit me in a way that I I didn't expected to put me on this path, but it put me on this path where I said, okay, there's things in my life. It's not a mental health issue, right? But there are things in my life that are going unchecked and I need to focus on them. And that was backed by this voice. Sorry, but that was backed by this voice that the narrative is this is life. Like things happen in life. Things are going to go that don't work out your way. Right. And if you're going to live life, if you know, the, 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 the ticket for admission for a real life is dealing with these things and dealing with these things means take active control of your life. And for me, that meant, okay, focus on your health. Finally, adjust these, adjust to these issues, adjust to these concerns and actually pay attention and, and take full control of your life. And that's kind of where the, the, the snap was, you know, that's the thing that, that, that shook me, so to speak. Yeah. I want to dial into that a little bit because because a lot of times we talk about how these revelations that people have, right. When they hit rock bottom, you know, a lot of times when we personally come into, you know, difficult circumstances, we may kind of retract a little bit from the doing. Right. But I think what I hear commonly and I hear you saying is how do you find meaning in that? And something about not just your own, circumstances, but the circumstances of your ex-girlfriend who was having mental health issues, finding meaning in her distress and using that as a, as a motivation. Yeah. And so the, the thing is, you know, I've, I've always had this thing and it's usually been professional in my, prof- in my professional world, right. Or in the professional world. Sorry here you know, I've lost jobs before, right? Like during the first recession, lost my favorite job ever. And I remember I walked out, was laid off there too, walked out. And before I was in my car, I was on the phone with a recruiter lining up interviews, right? I've always had this thing where it's like, all right, what's next? Don't stop, go. But it was always something that I focused on my career, right? It was never something I focused on personal. And it was something about, yes, finding meaning, in it, but I didn't realize that till later. It was just something about seeing seeing someone I love go through this and 
it made me turn the spotlight on me. Like you can look at others, right? But before you look outward and try to change the outward world, world, you need to focus internally. And this is something that we always talk about. 100%. 100%. And it kind of snapped that way. It was more like, yeah, I could be upset about this. I could say why. And I did a full amount of that, right? But there was this other part that was like, instead of just sitting there in that cycle of why or being angry or saying, you know, pointing a finger, why didn't this happen? This All that stuff that you could do as much as, you know, I wanted to do it and as well as wrap myself up in a blanket and hide under my bed. There's this thing that said, okay, look at what you can do. Focus on what you can control and look at all the places that you've stepped around that in your life. And it's worthwhile to say that where I started, I was almost 400 pounds by that point. I was sitting around 385, 390. It was not a pretty situation. And I've put some pictures of me online. What you can't see in those pictures are even when you look at like my eyes, I have bubbles in my eyes. It looks like my eyes are closed in pictures because there was so much weight on me and also stress and all these other things that I even had these like, I forgot what they're called, but my eyes basically swelled up and looked like they were closed all day. So, and, and where are you now? So you started at 400 pounds and you yeah, are now at? I'm at 260 uh, as of uh, the weigh-in last week. So I'm about uh, 120, 125 down. I was, I was just under four, 400. Yeah, 125 pounds down. Let's talk about that a little bit yeah. because there's always strategies, right? And people will ask you, I know people have asked you, what did you do, right? Yeah. As if there's this, dun, 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 there's this magic bullet that you can talk about. And yes, there's strategies, eating more protein and exercising more. You did all that. We can get into it. But so much of this is mindset, right? You can have all the strategies in the world, but to implement them and to implement them consistently, it requires a shift in mindset. Talk about that. Yeah, definitely. That was the biggest thing. And, And you're right. I get a lot of questions. How did you do it? What did you do? And I've actually started taking to asking people, do you want me to tell you what everyone else tells you and say it's diet and exercise? Or do you want the actual answer, right? And some people just want me to say, oh, yeah, if you die and you exercise, you'll get there. And they go on their way and they're either going to do it or not. Mindset was a really big thing. So the first snap was that look at yourself, right? Stop making excuses, right? Go out there and do it, right? The value of doing a hard thing, getting up and doing something anyway. So I definitely focused on exercise. I started training with a personal trainer one day, one day became two. Now I'm up to four. I started walking. It started with a few miles, three, four miles a day. And now it's up to about 13. Uh, I add in 13 miles a day on average, 13 miles a day. Usually. Yeah. Right. It's, it's fine blowing in that most days there's about a three mile run too. And do you love running? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And no. Um, I started running because I absolutely hated it. So part of that mindset was this, um, this, I have this motto that, you know, your comfort zone will kill you. I'm going to tell you right now, comfort is the enemy of progress. And so uh, part of the mindset was, yeah, thinking about things differently, taking on challenges. But the other part of it was um, getting out there and doing everything that I don't want to do or that I wouldn't want to do normally. And that actually came later. And that's where I, you know, I say it's a story of two relationships. That's where that second relationship came in. So about six months later, after the breakup, I met someone and we started going out. And at that point, I'd lost about 50, 60 pounds. 
And, you know, whatever, I started to like this girl and we started hanging out a lot. And one day she, uh, she came and said, you know what? I want to go hiking. I really like hiking and I want to go hiking. And I said, no, right. I said, I want to go hiking. I proceeded to, to let her know. And, you know, I proceeded to say, look, like I, I'm, I don't want, we're going to, we're going to get to this mountain, right. We're going to go hiking and you're going to get up there probably way faster than me waiting for me up there. I'm going to get up there like heaved up or like dying, sweating, you know, like heaving for air. Um, and I'm not ready for you to, for whatever look might be on your face when you see me bent over like that, when you see me like suffering like that. Right. You um, thought you were going to be, you were gonna, you thought you were going to be judged for your lack of physical yeah. stamina. Yeah. And, you know, um, and in, in, you know, and yeah. And in fairness to her, like I, we talked about my weight. We talked about my journey. She knew like where I was and where I was trying to go. And, but I just wasn't ready for that. You know, it just, it, and so, um, so we didn't go and it wasn't a big thing, right. It was like something that came up and, and passed. And a little while later we ended up breaking up. And in that final conversation, she said a couple things, um, you know, like about like my activity level. And it's funny because I was working out four times a week. I was walking everywhere, right? Like uh, I thought I was really doing it and I was, right? But she said a couple of things about my activity level and a couple other things that, you know, were either I interpreted to either be about my weight um, or at least at minimum my long-term health. And this hiking thing immediately popped into my head. And it popped in my head in this way that I was so just disappointed with myself. Not that I was like, oh, I, you know, I got dumped because I didn't go hiking, but because it just was this example of where I sold myself short. Yes. And so I called, uh, I called our cousin Matt and I said, Hey, we need to go hiking. And like two days later we went hiking and we went to the top of this. We went to, um, sorry, to Will Rogers and we got to the top of this, you know, hike. It took us like no time. It was fast. It was easy. I was not keeled over dying i was like jumping up and down and as soon as i got to the top there and saw how easy it was it was the most angry and upset i think i've ever been in my adult life because i was like it was it wasn't that big of a challenge right you you it wasn't just that you sold yourself short like you how did you doubt yourself like that right how are you so afraid of judgment like that this is such a important point and i just I'm going to interrupt you periodically because I think you may take some of these things for granted or don't, but I think it's worth noting that you were so angry about this incident because you put yourself cell in a box. It was a limiting belief, right? A self-limiting belief. And how often do we do that to your, to ourselves? I'm not a runner. I'm not a writer. I'm not thin. I'm not athletic. I'm not smart. I'm not X, Y, and Z. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because you say what you, you label yourself and then you play you small, you play yeah. small. And in this perfect example, yes, you are over a hundred pounds overweight, but you realize that you could, you could do that. You were a hiker and that was a self-limiting belief. And how often do we 
do we limit ourselves? And how often do I see this as the fundamental issue in my medical practice? It's not that people don't know what to do. It's that self-limiting beliefs are making us play small, whether it's our weight, our health, our job opportunities, our relationship opportunities. So I'm so glad you brought this up because damn it, people don't label yourself, right? Yeah. 100 percent don't play small i was alex who doesn't hike and to bring that back to the question about running and do i like running so i absolutely did not like hiking up until that point but then i was like we're gonna go and we're gonna go every week and we started going on a thursday morning pre-work hike and then that's where the running came in because the hiking became okay i could do this what else do i not like and what else do i not do that i can go do so I, the running came from that. I work out with your kids, with, uh, with, with Ellen Cam. And we're sitting there like mid-September one day, uh, end of September. And I turn to Ellen and I say, hey, how about we run a 5K? She's like, cool, let's do it. It's like, oh, she signed on. Now we got to do it, right? So um, I'm like, first, I'm like, we need six months. I need six months to be able to run three miles. And by the end of that workout, I'm like, all right, Thanksgiving, there's probably a turkey trot. Let's go find it. And we signed up, right? And we went out and did it on on Thanksgiving. And we're actually, we're signed up for another one this weekend. We are indeed. Um, Yeah. Come join us, Huntington. What is it? Huntington Beach? (laughs) Huntington Beach. Yeah. So we all, we all went out. It it, it timed up really nice because it was right when I hit the hundred pound mark too. So we got to celebrate this 100 pound victory by running, which is something I never thought I would do in a way I never thought I would celebrate. But that got into this thing of like, what are all these other things that I don't do? I don't read. I'm going to start trying to read books, right? I don't, I think more than I dislike hiking, more than I dislike running, which I begrudgingly like now. Um, I hate, I hate stationary bikes, right? So I never made weight for a Peloton, right? I know everyone's like a Peloton fanatic. Everyone loves these guys. And you were too heavy for a Peloton bike up right. to a certain point, right? And everybody right. was talking about it to you, right? So what right. happened? I realized, I think like the, the, the weight class on the bike is 280 or something. And I was like 283. I'm like, all right, by my next weigh-in, I can do this. So I was like, all right, great. Not only now can I ride a Peloton, like I can fit on it, which was like a personal victory. It was almost like a take that Peloton, told me I couldn't have this thing, right? But also I was like, this is that next thing that is uncomfortable to me that I'm going to try and do, right? So all these things just started happening. And when, all, when I started kind of doing all these things and getting out of my comfort zone with all these different little tweaks, the weights come off much faster now, right? Yeah. So I, I, I got to stop you because yeah. there's so many nuggets there. I mean, I asked you that question very deliberately because I know that you didn't like running, but here's a couple of pearls there. Number one isn't it right that it's all about how you hold it in mind? So you have something that's an exertion, right? Like the running. And you can consider it torture. Yeah. In, in Hungry for More, I talk about my own personal experience with running and how I experienced it as torture in high school, so much so that the high school coach was like, Adrian, stop running. I mean, I was so pathetic. He was like, can you just grade papers instead? Because I, 
I really, all I could think of was how torturous this is. And it showed through to the point that 20 something years later, I actually opted to run the LA marathon. And for me personally, that exertion became a joy. It became a challenge. It became, and so I think there might be people out there who are rolling their eyes right now, like, okay, whatever. But if you don't want to think about running, think about something else. Think about something where it is difficult But how much more difficult we make it for ourselves in terms of how we hold it in mind. And so that's also a mindset shift, right? How do you hold exertion, challenge, difficulty, adversity? How do you hold it in mind? Because it makes all the difference in the world. And I think that the the thing there is I would, I would, um, I would say, no, even think about the running, right? Like it's, it comes back down to stepping out of your comfort zone. Growth happens outside of your comfort zone, right? Growth happens when you do the things you don't want to do. So for me, like, yeah, there was, those were a lot of those were physical things, right? But what was the alternative? I'd lived the alternative. And the alternative was I was nearing 400 pounds. I was trapped in a body that didn't belong to me right? Like we talk about this and I talk about how when I would dream at night and I'd see myself in a dream, I was someone else. I didn't look the way I looked, right? I didn't act the way I act. I didn't speak the way that I I was speaking. There was this very conscious decision that, okay, I'm going to be that person I see when I close my eyes and think of myself, right? And that person is not afraid of these things. And it's... The running is just part of something, but it's funny because the running is part of a process and it's just kind of become like an obsession. And I would say that too, when we talk about like mindset and goals and the bigger challenge and all that kind of stuff, a lot of people look at me and they go, oh, what's your goal weight, right? And are you working towards that weight, right? And how often do you weigh yourself and all that? I weigh myself once a month. I come to the office and I, and I, and I weigh myself, right? Sometimes if I get really, really freaked out or I really want to know like what something did or, you know, I ate a steak dinner, a fancy dinner at a whatever and had ice cream last week. I want to know like if that changed anything, I'll do something in two weeks. Right. But I come about once a month to weigh myself. I don't look at my goal. I have a goal number in mind. We can talk about it, but um, I don't look at my goal. I look at the process. I focus on the process. I focus on, I need to get out a few times a day. I run every day at 1030, right? My staff at work knows this. They call me at 1030. They know that I'm running. They're like, oh, are you running? Yeah. And they know that if they're going to have a meeting at 1030, I'm going to be running. If I don't, we're all working from home. If I don't have to be on Zoom for a meeting, if I can be on the phone for a meeting, I just go walk around the block while I'm on that meeting. And I focus on these things, right? The weight goal is great and it's coming off and I'm reaching it. But focusing on the process is what's helping me get there. And here's the thing that people don't get, I think, because we talk about engaging in the journey, in the process. And again, that feels so cliche. And I'm sure there are people who would roll their eyes at that. But something you said earlier was that as you were engaging in these processes that you set up for yourself, the weight started coming off and it started coming off faster. Right. So what people don't realize is that that when we focus on the process, on the journey, on the change within, it's not that you're abdicating the goal, that you're forgetting about the goal. It's in service of the goal. 
right? Yeah. There's one other thing that I wanted to bring up before we go too far away from the question, because again, I purposefully asked you about whether or not you like the running, because a lot of times people talk to me about motivation. And in fact, with one of my patients today, she was saying how she wants to exercise. She wants to do it for her children because she wants to be an example so that her children pick up a habit of exercise, right? But she just doesn't have the motivation. And I think there's this myth out there that motivation is like fairy dust, right? Like we wake up with motivations flowing through our blood every single morning or the fairy comes and scatters, you know, motivation upon our heads. That's not motivation, right? No. Motivation is doing the thing, doing it over and over again without negotiation, right? Until at some point in time, it dawns on you, wow, I like this thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I I would argue that I'm not motivated at all. Hmm. Um, I have no motivation. Let me just- And yet you walk- 13 miles a day. Yeah, that's. And then some. I, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, I snooze three times when that alarm goes off. I want to wrap myself in a blanket. Saturday mornings when I wake up, we go work out first thing in the morning. Uh, I'd never want to go to the workout. I have a workout in an hour. I do not want to go. I am not motivated. It's not motivation. I get up. On my way to putting my tennis shoes on and getting dressed to go to the gym or to go work out, I'm telling myself the whole way, oh my God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be there. I'm not going working out today. But in the process of doing it, I'm just getting up and doing it. I just hear that same thing. voice. Yeah, yeah, you just do it. And it's, it's almost, I said this for a, a second ago, it's obsession. It's obsession with the process, right? It's not... This Yeah, it's not this thing of motivation. There, there's a lot of speakers out there who talk about motivation. They say, okay, motivation will only get you so far. It'll only get you out the door, right? But it won't get you on the running path. It won't get you to the gym. It won't get you to work out or to work out hard. You can go to the gym and hang out by the water cooler and you know sit at the juice bar and put calories on versus take them off, right? Um, so it's, it's hearing that voice and doing it anyway. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's not, I don't get up in the morning. I'm like, yeah, let's go work out. No, I get up in the morning. I'm like, oh my God, the last thing I want to do right now is go work out. I just want to sit down and drink my coffee and, you know, watch football, but I just do it. There's this other thing that you got to tap into. And it's while you're saying, while you're fighting that motivation, that desire that all of us have to wrap yourself in a warm fuzzy blanket and chill at home and watch cartoons go put your tennis shoes on and as you do that start taking steps to the door and before you know it you're out the door and you're on your way to the gym and you're working out and it reminds me of this thing one of my buddies tells me all the time about like the small steps and Mm. it's pennies add to dollars real quick right um you talk about the ripple effect um but nobody becomes a millionaire right? Totally different goal. No one becomes a millionaire by having this goal to become a millionaire. Nobody becomes a millionaire by being motivated, waking up and saying, I'm motivated to become a millionaire. They become a millionaire 
by putting those pennies in the bank, right? And they add up and one day you have dollars and then those dollars add up and one day you're there. And I think that's it. And so, yeah, I think motivation is a bit of a myth, right? It's great. It's good for the people who have it. It'll get you out the door. But for those of us every day who are out there doing it, doing it, right? Doing it is what's getting you there. The motivation will come and go. The doing it will get you there. You just have to do it. You just have to start. And yet, even though you, you, keep, you said several times that you don't want to do it, you don't want to do it, there's joy in it. There's joy in doing the hard things and knowing, yeah. right? Knowing yeah, when it's do hard done, things. when it's done, you know, it's, it's, you look at it, there's a win, right? There's a W in your column. And then a month later, when those five or 10 pounds or that one pound or whatever comes off, or you gain muscle or whatever, that there's a W in your column. This past Saturday, uh, a friend of mine reached out and said, Hey, I want you to come take this class with me. And I thought I was taking a yoga class. And again, I was like, I don't want to do yoga, but fine. So I signed up for the class thinking I was going to a yoga class, stepping out of my comfort zone. No, it was like this high impact training class in like a warm room in a studio somewhere in Playa del Rey. Right. And I sweat through my whole entire shirt. I have never sweat that much. And I work out harder sometimes with the trainer, but I've just never sweat that much. Right. And I remember coming home and being amped. I was like, oh my God, check this out. Look what I did. Right. And even like, this was Saturday, Monday night, I was like, okay, when's the next class? I'm on the schedule. When's the next class? So it was, it was, again, the doing it, this doing this thing that, like at the time I was struggling and I was fighting. I was like, Oh my God. Right. Like I'm here of all these like fitness people who are bending in ways I can't bend and jumping up and doing a jump jack and then going down into a push up and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I can't do that. Right. But just doing it as impossible as it was, I got out of it. I saw myself, looked at myself, the mirror just wrecked. Right. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm so happy right now. Right. And it's, it's, there's it's getting, taking yeah, joy taking joy in doing the hard things. And yeah. again, that's how you hold it in mind. Can I ask you a question? So as you're talking about this class and you're saying, you know, everyone around you is, you know, I don't know how you said it, seemingly more fit, jumping up and down, what yeah. have you. This is a huge deterrent for people who aren't quote exercisers. It's even a deterrent. It's also a deterrent how they look. I've been exercising all my life and I still notice, well, I don't, I don't go into a gym anymore, but I would still notice the like 20 something shiny new penny next to me in decked out Lululemon. Yeah. And that can get in your head. Yeah. Have you, do you have that experience? And if you do, what's your antidote? How do you, um, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? Yeah. Yeah, in my case, it was a decked out 20-something in aloe yoga gear, but um, same difference. I don't know. So I, you know, I got in. I still thought it was yoga when I was putting my mat down. And I was sitting next to this other guy who was the husband of, like, somebody who worked at the, the gym um, taking the class. And I was like, yeah, the last time I was in a yoga studio was 20-something years ago. 
And it's for that exact reason. It's for the hiking reason. It's because I went to a yoga studio. I was surrounded by women. I was the only guy in the yoga studio and they were doing everything. And I was dying. I could not do anything. I was like just reeking sweat, dying, heaving. And I remember the looks I got like, who is this guy? Right. I kick their asses. Yeah. And it, it, it kept me, it kept me away for so long because I never wanted to embarrass myself like that again. I told this guy, you know, I was like, it's been so long since I've been one. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he said, like, you know, just take it at your own pace. And for me, that's kind of how I've been doing everything. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to take it at my own pace. And when I looked around this time, I didn't see people looking and judging me. I saw people in community doing it with me. That's gold, right? Because it speaks so much to what we do in our own head, right? The judgment that we think maybe others have or put upon us is really the judgment in our own head. That's like a bigger issue. And again, I'm going to ask you, like, how do you contend with that? You know, I talk about this all the time. I said it in the book. They say that the average human has 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. I have no idea, by the way, how they do that. I mean, that could be a totally bogus number, but let's say it's even like a third of that, right? 20,000, let's say 10,000 and that 60, 70% of them or 60% of them are negative that much. I believe, because I think if you really become aware to your thoughts, you realize, you know, how many things you say to yourself on a right you, me, Obama, Beyonce, right? Everybody says to themselves on a right. So it's a thing. Negative thinking is a thing. How do you deal with that? Yeah. You just, you hear it, you packetize it and you do what you're going to do anyway. There's no magic bullet, right? For any of these things, what it really comes down to everything we've talked about, there's no magic bullet. There's just doing it, right? There's just doing it. I definitely have negative thoughts. I definitely go through my stages of doubting myself, of questioning things, even with things I know that I can do now, right? Even even with that, you know, um, even when I'm hiking on a new trail, I go, uh-oh, this one's, you know, it's a longer trail. It's a bigger trail. When I did this last year, right, this happened. You just... You just have to do it, you know, you just, and, and personally, like, I mean, judgment's two ways. Everybody else's, I, I don't care about anyone else's judgment. I, I, I really don't. Um, you can't, I don't, you can't control what other people say and do to you. You can control how you feel about it. So I made a conscious right. decision before this journey started that I don't care what other people think about me. Those are their thoughts, which means it's their problem, right? I know that I'm a decent person. I know that I'm hardworking. I know that I have these good things. I know I have flaws and I understand them. I'm trying to work on them, right? But I think I'm a decent person, so I don't care what someone thinks about me. So forget about other people's judgment. Internally, you know, sometimes it's just shut up, go do it. Other times it's like, no, think about that. Right. Um, I think the biggest thing to like beating a self-limiting belief that has worked for me is I try when I notice I'm having them. I try to think, okay, well, you've gotten this far. 
and looking at let's the, say looking at the win, celebrating the wins, looking at the wins, right? That, but also saying, okay, even if you're right, even all these things you're judging yourself about, right, are true, you've still gotten this far. So they must not be that big of a deal. Even if you're not a hiker and you're too fat and you're too slow and the hill is too tall and there's too many rocks and there's going to be a rock slide, maybe possibly because it's Malibu and whatever, and it's never going to happen. You're never going to get to the top of Little Rogers. Well, I got here despite all those things, right? So now I want to go to the next hill. Now I want to go to the others, the other hiking trail that's longer or bigger, right? And I think it's like that. I, I think, yeah, definitely look at your wins, but also just look at, sure, what if all that stuff is true? Did you still make progress? Did you still move? What's Are the you evidence, still right? Yeah. What's the evidence? Yeah. You know, I think, I think when people hear a success story, they think like they, they only focus on the success, right? Mm-hmm. But with every success, there's a thousand little setbacks, that people don't see, right? They just see the 120 pounds, which is amazing, but they don't see all the little setbacks. How do you, and and setbacks are important to discuss because if we don't handle them the right way, they can sabotage us. They can upend us. Can you talk about, maybe can you give an example of a setback you experienced and how do you handle them? You know, like that self-sabotage thing is, is very real. And I've done it a bunch of times. I've done the, you know, lost 40 or 50 pounds, whatever happened, decided I didn't care anymore and reverted course and put 60 or 70 back on. Even when I hit that hundred mark, I don't know what happened. I don't know what it was, honestly, but there was a good week or two there right after I hit the hundred mark where things just weren't going as smooth. Like I couldn't, get into my workout and work out as hard. I couldn't stick to like my meal plan and like the diet guidelines I put down for myself as easy. You know, I, I, I told you once about like, I went and had ice cream that week or something for like the first time. Which is while. okay, by the way. Yeah. No one said fine. you can't have ice cream for the rest of your life, but I just want to put that yeah, out there. Yeah. 100%. Like, look, I lost a hundred pounds eating a, the occasional donut here and there. Right. And like, Shabbat dinners where I'm not on a meal plan and I'm, you know, I'm eating the, you know, rice and chicken and all, you know, whatever, and probably eating more than I set out for like a calorie count would say, right. All that kind of stuff. Right. But for some reason, like that week I I was, I don't know, it's hitting me. Right. And one ice cream meal, like, you know, outdoors meal became two or three or four. Right. And it hit me in this way where I was like, okay, is this where you revert course? Is this that thing? Like, what's going on, right? And I think part of it was whatever it hit me about that first, like, break, that first chink in the armor, it hit me in a way where I started to kind of see that slide. And instead of being like, okay, you can have ice cream. And, oh, by the way, you've had ice cream on the way to losing the 100 pounds. So this one doesn't matter for some reason. That one stood out. And I was like, oh, are, oh, you hit 100 pounds. You think you're special now. Now you're going to go eat a bunch of ice cream and ruin it. Being mindful of that thought process, listening to that inner voice, listening to that inner judgment, yeah. right? And saying, okay, you had the one, you had the four, 
you may have put five pounds back on. You may not have put anything. You don't know because you're not going to weigh yourself for two more weeks, which by the way, means you can have two weeks of burning off anything you did negatively, right? And at least staying even, if not losing. But you had all this, right? It's Friday now. It's Saturday now. What are you going to do today? Get back on. The moment after, right? It's not so much what happened. And for a lot of people, they do weigh themselves. And it's not just five pounds. Maybe it's 10. Maybe it's 15. Maybe you were, quote, off this wagon, this wagon that all of us are apparently on for three or six months. What is that wagon? But anyway, that's another story. Right. I mean, it could be a much longer hiatus where you had a much bigger backslide. But the difference between ultimately persevering or not is that fork, right? You can either go along with that negative thinking and catastrophizing the 5, 10, 15 pounds, or you can move on and realize that that the thing is not the problem it's how you deal with the setback yeah, yeah. right and and would you say that that's the difference between i mean one of many but between maybe not sabotaging yourself this time and making it all the way through as opposed to the times that you stopped at 40 pounds and something happened and you stopped yeah so i still probably have a fear of the sabotage, right? Like I still think about it, but I, I, it definitely was new to stop and think, okay, great. Whatever happened, happened. You can only control today and what you do next. Right. I think a lot of times you get to that point and you sacrifice the other 95 pounds for the first five. And that's ridiculous. It's real. It's normal. It happens. I don't blame anybody for it. Can you explain that a little bit more? You sacrifice the 95 pounds for the five pounds that you regained. You mean? Yeah. You put five on. So you're like, screw it. I'm going to go get that other 95 back. Right. And I think what, at least in my case, when I've done that in the past, Lost 40, put 10 on, let it all go, right? You don't think about it that way. I didn't think, I don't, I didn't think about it that way. I didn't think, great. So you put 10 pounds on. Now you're just going to give the other 30 away? Right. No, you're still down 30. You're still down 30. It's our negativity bias, right? We focus on the 10 pounds of regain. Whereas if you could just focus on the 30 pounds that you've, still lost that you're then you can continue right as opposed to catastrophizing the 10 yeah if you knock over a lamp in your living room do you burn down your living room and you know we talk we're talking a lot about weight because this is like a weight loss journey but it kind of isn't and i just want to you know as as now we've been talking for i don't know close to 40 minutes i want to go back to something you said earlier which was because of the exercise you did there was a, you started reading books, right? You started changing the way you acted or the way you moved around in your professional life and in your workspace. And I think this is, this is what's so beautiful about this process. And what people don't recognize is that our relationship with food 
is really a mirror to our relationship with much bigger things, right? The weight is really so insignificant. Yes, it's wonderful that you lost 120 pounds, but it is in a way so insignificant compared to what it represents because the way you have changed your relationship to food has really prompted a change in your relationship with yourself, which is now rippled into so many aspects of your life. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was nearing the hundred pound mark. I got somewhere around 75, 80 and I was like, Oh, wow. Things are moving. I'm going to hit that hundred pound. Actually, we're in your office. I was weighing in. I was somewhere. I was right at the 80 and it was, I don't know when it was. And you're like, wow, at this rate, you're going to hit a hundred by December. And I was like, wow, that means at this rate, lots of wows, by the way, that means at this rate by December, I'll be under the 300 pound mark, which I don't know when the last time I was under 300 pounds was. It's going to be the lowest I've weighed in forever o'clock, right? So I thought that night, what else could I do? And I picked up other goals, right? Professional goals, like you said, finance goals, like you said, right? I opened up an investment account that night and I took money that I was saving to go buy a car with and said, you know what? I'm going to put it in investments and I'm going to build a strategy around personal finance that I've been sticking to. I looked at my work and said, okay, what can I double down on here? And I started having deeper conversations about goals with my leadership and with my employees about their goals, right? And how, as their leader, how I can help them get somewhere, right? So absolutely, it, the ability to start to achieve one goal had these tentacles that got into other totally different parts of my life and... You know, now I'm working on four or five different things. I just love it. I just love it. I just think it is so delicious because uh, to just see the transformation and I get to see it um, regularly in my medical practice with my patients, but it's such a joy to be able to see it in somebody that you love. So you go, Alex. I'm proud of you. Thank you. So let's wrap up. Tell us, um, tell us quickly what are what's up for you in terms of goals and where can we follow this journey? Yeah. So goals. So I do have a weight loss goal. I, I am trying to get back to my high school um, game weight of of one eighty five, and I'm getting pretty close to getting there. I think I can actually get there probably by this summer, hopefully. That's kind of loosely where I'm at as far as the journey. So I, I'm i on all social media with the handle at Fat Kid Beautiful, but I really post mostly on Instagram and that kind of feeds everything. So that's where you can get like the first-hand account um, of everything. Um, so follow Alex at yeah. Fat Kid Beautiful. You can, you can see his journey from 400 pounds almost down about 125 and to his ultimate goal. That is not just a weight goal, but is a life goal. This has been so much fun. Thanks for chilling with me. For sure. Can I, uh, can I say one more thing to the, to the audience? Yeah. I think, um, 
a big thing and a big key. And when we talk about like your beliefs and kind of all that stuff, I think you should always be asking yourself one question. And it's, it's what if. It's what if I can, what if I did it, right? Imagine the possibilities of the future and ask yourself, what if I got there? Um, this is something I didn't come up with. I, I got it from a guy named David Goggins. I have to give him the credit because it's his words. But you can think of any goal, right? And whenever you, and those girls should be so big that they scare you. And whenever you do that, the people around you are going to get scared too. And a bunch of people are like, that can't happen. That's not possible. And every time you think that, and every time you hear that, you need to ask yourself, yeah, but what if, what if I did achieve that? And that's going to make all the difference in your life. And that's, if I could leave you with one thing, it would be, it would be that. If I could leave you with two, step out of your comfort zone also. But that's, that's perfect. It's a perfect place to end. Dare to imagine, right? I, I translate what if to dare to imagine your, your potential, your possibilities, and then think it, breathe it, taste it, visualize it, smell it until you be it. Thanks, Alan. 100% for sure. Thank you. Hi there, Health Bike community. You can follow me at the handle Dr. Adrian Udim where I will post daily tidbits, health tips, and inspiration. You can also find me at dradrianudim.com, where there's lots of resources, including my book, Hungry for More. You can sign up for the newsletter there, as well as look into the 30-day journaling guide to discover your hunger. Thanks for listening. And I look forward to seeing you again next week.